0: You know you've got to sing. Along. But don't you know
1: This is the Kavnis HR Podcast hosted by Jason Kavnis. Join Jason as he talks to small business owners, founders, and people in tech startups in HR. If you fall into one of these categories or are just curious about them, then this is the podcast for you. You will gain great insights from these great conversations. The Kavnis HR Podcast is brought to you by Kavnis HR. At Cabinets HR, we deliver HR to companies with 49 or fewer people by automating the HR process. We believe that you don't need a full-time HR person to receive full-time HR expertise.
2: Hello, and welcome to the Cabinets HR Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Cabinets. Our guest today is Dave Carverhall. Dave, are you ready to be great today?
0: Yeah, terrific.
2: Dave is an entrepreneur, builder of billion-dollar businesses and a thought leader in executive recruitment. As CEO of Dave Partners, a boutique executive search firm serving the high-tech sector, Dave leads, Dave leads an elite special forces recruitment team that attracts and secures executive leaders that drive high growth at venture capital and private equity-backed companies. In 1997, he co-founded HotJobs.com, and Par built the fledgling startup to 650 employees, $125 in revenue and a $1.2 billion market cap after his IPO. Dave continued upon his success at ladders.com, swiftly building it to a 400 employee and $85 million in revenue company. He founded Dave Partners in, 20, in 2009 as both a capstone venture and a labor of love to help build the workplaces that create a better future for us all. Dave and lives in New Jersey with his amazing wife the Twin sons and Clover the Wonder Dog. Dave, thank you for being here today. I really appreciate it.
0: Thanks for having me, Jason. What a pleasure to be here with you and, and your audience at Cabinets HR. Dave, um,
2: a question I looked up your LinkedIn profile, you know, did a little stalking. In uh, last year, September 2019, you wrote an article, and you talked some about how business, business, business performance and personal def- disciplines correlate with each other. Can you go in depth and
0: let? That was a great article, Jason. It got some some pretty good activity. You know, look, uh, I am a firm believer that there is an A-plus player for every role in every company, and every CEO should know this. In fact, the three imperatives of any leader are to create a common purpose, shared values, and clear objectives and i think that there is a methodical disciplined process that any leader can follow to have big success in recruiting and building culture the challenge is that most ceos most leaders are doing something that i call you, you know they're just winging it and i don't think that winging it is going to get you the best results the reality is that most businesses will fail and i think it's they fail because they fail at people strategy. Recruiting and building culture are both the greatest opportunity for any entrepreneur. And it's also the leading cause for failure. And so I think it's, um, you know, imperative to every leader. And, and I do believe that recruiting is a leadership competency, which means, you know, that's good news because what it means is that every leader can get better at it. And, um, you, you know, that's kind of like where I come from. That was what the article was about, is really just being disciplined and methodical about running a recruitment process, about being intentional and purpose-driven when building out your organization,
2: Dave, can you talk some about how founders can build a great uh, culture of, of high performers? Cause I think, and I think you agree, a lot of star founders, you know, they'll, oh, let me hire my friend, you know, they'll do my marketing for me. Let me my, hire my beer buddy, they'll do HR for me. And we're just wing it for now. And we'll bring be on better people later on. Now I realize the hard point is at the beginning to have the best people possible, right? Sometimes it's better to just do it alone, right? Versus bringing your, your best friends.
0: Yeah. Yeah, you know, look, that's a great point, Jason. The, the reality is, uh, you know, look, my practice and my business, I get brought in typically by the chairman of the board, somebody at the board level who made a big investment into a hot, high, high-growth company. Uh, I, I tend to work a lot with tech startups. Uh, and so, it, like all of the companies that I work with uh, tend to have a technology kind of component to it. Uh, usually, technology is the driver of the business. And so, it's usually like a consumer internet company or a B2B uh, software-as-a-service company, a platform uh, that other businesses use to expand their business. Um, and so, well, well, all that, that means is that it's a pressure cooker. I'm working in the most competitive environment in New York City where we're competing not just in technology, like, like San Francisco and the West Coast. Uh, technology is the big industry there. New York City is very different right? because we have all of the industries. We're competing against finance, against media, against fashion, against, you know, health tech now. Uh, and so all of these industries that, that are driven and, and powered by technology are competing in New York City. In New York City, you've got all of the big players, uh, you know, known as the FANG companies, right? So you've got Facebook, Amazon, Apple, Netflix, Google, all have big major operations in New York City. Uh, and, and we're all competing for the best talent. Um you, you know, and so as a startup that is backed by a top venture capital investor, it's a pressure cooker. These these folks might put in 20, 30, 40, 50 million dollars into a hot, high growth company, and then they ask me to come in and help build out the boards and the executive teams of these companies. And the reality is what what I know and, and you know, Jason, is that the best people, they're not unemployed. They're not sitting on a couch waiting for the phone to ring at a minimum they are actively engaged even mildly interested in what it is that they're doing and so someone's got to go in rip them out of their company extract them engage them in a conversation just so we can put them through a filtering process and this has to be done you know dozens of times with different candidates just so that we can get a finalist shortlist of top candidates and, and this is the process that we run, um, you know, so that they can make the best hire. They can make the best selection. Uh, and and in order to execute that kind of a recruitment process, you know, I've got a team and, and we talk about ourselves like a Navy SEALs operative team. You know, you've got to have a very disciplined process to go after, you know, it's not even the top 10% of talent. it's It's typically the top 1% of executive leadership talent in terms of, you know, best in class, best capabilities, best culture fit into the organization. And and there's a way and a process of doing that, that a company who performs their recruitment operations in that manner is going to outperform any other company out there. Right? And and this is what I implore startup founders, entrepreneurs to do is to think at an elite world class level, get beyond the friends and the family. Right. Get beyond Uncle Joe running the marketing and, and, you know, just kind of like having people who are available and convenient and near you do the tasks. Right. Actually have a much greater vision and a much greater mission for your business and recruit like a world class organization.
2: Dave, so like, like you said, most high performers suppose those high performers say working at Google, right? I mean, he's going to be be all in for Google. You know, for probably working sixty hours a week, all in. How do you get their attention? Because they're probably working at Google. They have family. Probably have a hobby. How do you get their attention?
0: Yeah. Well, look, it starts with uh, with uh, a few truths uh, that I set forth as a foundation. Number one, everybody's on the market for the right set of circumstances and the right situation. Everybody's on the market. I jump out of bed every morning knowing that I can get anybody. But the right set of circumstances, the right situation, everybody's on the market. Secondly, look, Google was a great place to go work 15, 20 years ago. It's a big company. You're just a cog in the wheel now, doing a small job, a very narrow job. You might be going deep. Um, but, but uh, you know, look, I recruit people out of Google, out of Facebook, out of the top companies all day, every day. It's not that challenging. And... This is what I would implore every entrepreneur and leader to understand. The greatest reason why anyone will succeed or fail at any company has everything to do with whether their personal DNA matches the cultural DNA of the founder or the executive leaders of the organization. And when you think about, you know, all of the all of the studies that have ever been done about human motivation and work, Number five or number six is compensation. The first four or five have everything to do with things like culture, mission, the other people that I get to work with, right? The core values of the organization. These are the things that get people excited about coming to work at your company. And um, you know, it just takes a little bit of the right thinking and a little bit of hard work. And you can have access to a pool of candidates that is so far superior than the way of thinking that most entrepreneurs think about their company and their talent. And so, you know, um, in my book that I, that, that, uh, you know, I wrote a, a book called Hire Smart from the Start. I talk a lot about understanding how to have the right conversation with candidates in order to engage them in order to evaluate them, in order to go deep and assess whether they're the right person for your company, right? It's not about a magical set of three or five questions, right? Rather, it's about learning to have a recruitment conversation with people in order to go deep and evaluate and assess them in the right way, but also to engage them and raise their level of enthusiasm. I know most people
2: don't believe this, but staff show that if you offer someone hundred thousand a year and tell them well, you get paid a dollars a year, but well, you can't do anything. You just sit in your computer and do nothing. Like over 99% would say no. And that's kind of almost kind of true, I think.
0: Yeah, look, I, I think that's right. I think people want to be intellectually stimulated. They want to be engaged not only with their intellect, but with their heart. Right? Like they want to be in it. For the mission, for the cause, they want to, they, they want to be like, you, you know, in the trenches and they, and they want to help you not only by being successful in the role, but the best people want to help achieve a mission. The mistake that most entrepreneurs make is that they need an accountant. So they'll interview the first five or six accountants they can find on some job board and they might hire the best one and still only get 60% of what they need. The most important thing. When making any hiring process, hiring decision, hiring effort is to first start with a blueprint, right? And so in my book, I talk about this, the importance of creating clarity of thought, getting this onto a one pager. Anything that was ever great that was built by human beings first started out as a blueprint on a one piece of paper, think on paper, get your thoughts onto a single page so that you can understand and have a target that you can then hit, right? And so that the people that you bring into your process, your hiring process, are already meeting the qualifications from a technical uh, capabilities perspective. They're already meeting that at 100% so that then you can spend the majority of your time assessing for core values and culture fit. 60% of the reason why anyone will succeed or fail has to do with that culture fit, Only 20% of the reason why anyone succeeds or fails at any company has to do with their technical hard skills, their technical capabilities. And so what you want to make sure as a leader is to make sure that you get it right on those two things. And if you do that, you're going to be so far ahead of the way that most people recruit and build their team.
2: Dave, so what what phase of startup do you work with? Do you work with once they raise a seed round, once they raise their A round or seed round, or later on in in their fundraising process?
0: Yeah, the majority of my work is, uh, begins at the series B level. Once a company has about 20 million either in revenues or in funding. And then I get brought in by the chairman of the board or someone who wrote a big, you know, 30, 40, $50 million check into this company. And they ask me to build out the boards and the executive teams with people that have real operating experience. They have the proven experience of being able to scale a company from about 20 million to 10x to 200, 300 million in revenues. And those are the people that I spend more, the majority of my time with bringing into companies where um, you know, we're able to create a wealth accumulation opportunity for them through the equity participation and the growth of the company. Do you ever get any pushbacks
2: CEOs? Like, hey, Chairman of the Board, I don't need these day partners people, I can do it myself.
0: Yeah, look, a lot of times I'm being brought in to uh, the first timers. You know, uh, it's an early or young CEO. Uh, he or she may not have the experience, the gravitas of actually, you know, building out a large enterprise. And so, you know, and, and the truth is, I charge uh, exorbitant fees, right? I mean, this is like the major leagues. We're operating at the world-class level. Uh, and a lot of these, um, you know, early uh, CEOs get sh- uh, sticker shock, Um, you know, but, but really, uh, the core of our business, uh, is around that series B level where the CEO leader of the organization has a real sense of urgency, has a real commitment to bringing in world class talent because it will transform their business. They'll actually be able to scale the enterprise and operate and compete at the world class level.
2: Dave, are there any like venture capital firms in New York City you work directly with?
0: Yeah, sure. Um, you know, uh, there's a whole list. I mean, I, I I can you can go on my website and you'll see just um I mean there's too many to name. Uh but but generally I get brought in and a lot of times um you know, these companies uh don't they'll have a lead investor but they'll usually have three or four or five people uh from different venture capital firms investing in the deal. They'll do a syndicate or or you know, they'll do a deal uh and and uh you know, typically you have three or four or five board members who join the company um you, you know to be kind of uh, be stewards of the investment and, and help guide the company uh so that it can actually uh get a return for the investors uh and and um uh, really kind of live up to the promise and the possibility of this startup of, of the mission of this vision that the founder might have had uh and so these are the people that I get brought in to really kind of uh, operate at the world class level and and help them build the company the right way. Be thoughtful about the recruitment and the team building process, both the hard capabilities of recruiting, and then also the soft capabilities of, of building that culture and the core values and, and the you know what I call uh, the operating system of the organization. Right, I, I firmly believe that uh, culture eats strategy for breakfast, lunch, and dinner any day of the week.
2: So, Dave, how do you help the founders transition from mindset of, you know, I can hire anyone, you know, let me go to my LinkedIn friends or, you know, neighbors to like being like the target of 1%? How do you change our mindset? Like, oh, yeah. anyone can do this. It's a mindset. No, you need the top, you need the best of the best to have your company do what it wants to do.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, look, Jason, uh, it's a great question, right? And, and I deal with this all day, every day. Um, and, the, and the truth is, um, look, Not every client is right for me. You know, one of the things that I look for, I'm very selective about the clients that we take on because the reality is that every company out there can only be one of two things to me, and that is it can either be a target or it can be a client. It can't be both. And so, you know, I'm very selective about the entrepreneurs, the CEOs, the leaders that I work with, uh, and one of the criteria for me, I'll know within 38 seconds of meeting them, is whether they have a growth mindset, right? If they're willing to be coached. The reality is: look, I've been thinking about recruiting for the last 20 plus years. And um, you know, you're, gonna hard, you're gonna be hard pressed to find another headhunter that can help build your company that has actually built billion dollar businesses as a co-founder, as you know, uh, you, you know, hands-on with my own hands, uh, and then also doing it as a service provider, right? And so um, I, I can't tell you how many people I've interviewed and hired, uh, you know, but it's in the thousands. Uh, and um most CEOs don't have the experience that I have in understanding not just the mindset of both the candidate and the client psychology of winning when you're recruiting, but also knowing how to navigate the process so that you raise the enthusiasm level of the candidate and so that we're able to select the top candidate. Out of a robust process that already included the cream of the crop, best-in-class candidates in any you know, category or industry. So, Dave, how would you tell a
2: founder to build a, 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 a culture that attracts high performers? What, do they, what should they be doing? Because I think a lot of founders don't realize the importance of having a great employer brand when it comes to recruiting people.
0: Yeah, you know, look, uh, I, I walk... Um, I, I generally get asked to come in and actually leave like an executive off-site with the top three, four, five executives at the company, including the CEO. And I might spend two, three, four hours, an entire morning with them creating that clarity around core values, culture, and mission, I think is so important. And you and and every executive team needs to do that at least once every eighteen months. It's actually better if they do it on an annual basis. And what ends up happening is, you know, success is never a straight line, right? And, and like Charles Darwin said, uh, it, you know, it's not the strongest or the most intelligent of the species that survive. Rather, it's the one that is most adaptable. And that's how, uh, you know, in, in my humble opinion, uh, in my personal testimony, what I've witnessed is the executive teams that are You know, that have some level of humility, right? I think uh, I'm very big on humility. I think all learning and growth require an openness to learning and growth. And it's those executive teams that are willing to adapt, to change, to, to read the data from the marketplace that, that the marketplace is giving them and is able to make those fine calibrations. In the end, those are the teams that end up having extraordinary success. And the process that I take them through. Is something called organizational self-determination. Right? I think it's so important that a leader, you know, especially the CEO leader of the organization, but then also with their executive team, that they have alignment around this notion that, um, you know, I like to begin with the end in mind. Right? Take the greatest level of success that you hope for your company, and then reverse engineer that success. And so this process of organizational self-determination that I take them to take them through. Uh, I had them map out and and visualize and envision what 10 years from now, what maximum success for their company could look like. And you know, look, that's, it's a very big ask, right? But, but I think it really gets their juices flowing. It fires them up with excitement and creativity and they start visualizing what that could look like. And then I walk them through this process. Look, 10 years are going to happen no matter what, right? Five years is going to happen, whether you like it or not. The world is going to continue to keep on moving forward, right? The question is, are you going to have the ability, are you going to have the opportunity to serve a much greater number of businesses or clients or, or people that want your products and services, right? And so what I what I um, implore CEOs and founders to do is to to really create that vision of what the highest level of success could look like for them 10 years out, three years out, and then one year out. And all along the way, we're building accountability charts, which are the precursor to an organizational chart, right? A lot of conversations, a lot of um, you know the discussions, the discourse that I get brought into at the board level is you know, look, if we're looking to start a new market or or, or or a product serving an entirely new market, for example, you know, if we decide we want to do fifty million in revenues next year, serving the European market example, right? I would ask the CEO and the executive team, well, who on this team has experience with go-to-market strategies in Europe? And if the answer is zero, nobody has that experience, well, then we have a talent gap and somebody either has to build that capability or we've got to recruit somebody from the outside to come in who can help teach us and avoid the pitfalls and get us there faster, right? And so, a lot of times, The work that I'm doing is through this talent mapping is identifying what are the talent gaps and how are we going to fill those gaps in the most effective way possible? Sometimes it is possible that you can grow someone, but most often if someone on the team doesn't already have the experience, the proven experience of building that capacity at scale, then we're most likely going to be served by bringing someone in from the outside has who has that proven experience that can complement the culture and the core values and the fit of the team and help us achieve our mission.
2: Dave, has this ever happened? You do the exercise and you think to yourself, okay, this team doesn't get it. Their vision isn't big enough. They're not thinking big enough. They're too small. I need to go tell the team on the board that, you know, something's wrong here.
0: Uh, you know, look, that's kind of like the worst-case scenario, right? Um, the, you know, just in my uh, experience doing this for for, um, for long enough, uh, I, 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 uh, there are a number of things that I do before it gets to that point. Uh, and and uh, largely, look, I, uh, I will not work with the CEO that has a fixed mindset. I will not work with a leader who can't get out of their own way, right? Uh, oftentimes, uh, I do a lot of work. Uh, in um, helping match a CEO or leader with an executive coach, you, you know, look uh, in, in my role, a lot of a lot of what I do, and part of the reason I, I, you know, I love this is because I have to wear many hats. Sometimes I wear the hat of executive coach. Sometimes it's executive therapist, right? Sometimes I've got to go deep. Um, sometimes it's it's uh, you know salesperson. Sometimes it's um, you know investigator, uh, researcher. Uh, And so, um, you know, a lot of times I look to avoid that pitfall by just not even beginning a relationship with them. I will only work with CEOs that have some level of humility, some level of growth mindset. They're open to learning and growing because then I know that it's not one person that I can, uh, I'm looking to bring into the organization. Rather, it's I'm actually partnering with them to help them achieve their mission, which often requires significant. Growth and and not just personal development and and the transformative power that a startup and a a growing and a successful business has. Right. Like, I think that uh, business is an incredibly transformative force in not only a person's life, a leader's life, but in the lives of their family, of their their team, their community. Right. And so uh, I try to kind of, um, you you know, uh, uh, make wise investments of my time and my energy and my effort and work with those leaders uh, that are scalable frankly it takes a great deal of ambition and intelligence to be able to scale and be a scalable leader
2: so dave you know salespeople say always be closing but my term is uh, i like to use is always be recruiting because i think there's too many founders and business owners sort of aside they won't even think about recruiting until the person leaves and then they're behind the power curve can you talk about how is to always have some kind of talent bench line, some kind of bench line, bench of talent, and always be yeah. like networking, recruiting?
0: Yeah, I love it. You know, look, Jason, I think you and I are kindred souls, right? This is exactly how I think of the business is, um, you know, in, in the big fancy corporate speak, you know, it's known as the term is called succession planning, right? And, um, you know, I think earlier stage entrepreneurs and and You know, leaders of growing small and medium sized businesses, they need to have this mindset as well, right? They need to always know within their market, they need to have bench strength. They need to be reaching out and having coffees and breakfast and lunch with, uh, you know, in the event that they lose one of their top executives, one of their key people that they immediately have three, four, or five people in their Rolodex that they can call to reignite a conversation that they might've had a year ago, two years ago, three years ago. Someone who is capable to be a leader in their organization, right? Have a short list of bench strength possible leaders that you can bring in into your organization. Dave, can you talk some more about your book? Sure, sure. You know, look, uh, it, it really became quite a passion project. Um, uh, it, uh, uh, as you know, Jason, you know, I, I've done uh, a number of, uh, Ironman triathlons and, uh, there is nothing easy about running an Ironman. I mean, it is hard. It is tough. Uh, you, you know, it generally takes me about six months to prepare for an Ironman. This book took me 18 months and it was arguably, uh, equivalent to doing about three Ironmans. Uh, it was hard work. Uh, I'm really glad I did it. Um, One of, I I had a coach. I'm a big believer in coaching. Uh, and uh, I'm so grateful for my coach because, uh, what he pushed me to do was to really kind of squeeze out the creative juices and the nuances and the, the, the concentrated distilled wisdom of the last 20, 25 years that I've been thinking about recruiting, uh, and connect the dots. You know, I would in my book talk about how to get from point A to B. And I would assume intuitively that people would understand what I was saying, but my coach forced me to really um, you know, be descriptive and to really talk about the nuances on how you actually get from point A to B. And so it was an extraordinary exercise uh, in doing that. And, and it's part of the reason I've gotten so much kind of feedback, positive feedback about the book, and, and it's been helpful. Entrepreneurs and, and owners of small and medium-sized businesses that are looking to grow their business, and, and you know they might be sick and tired. Uh, what I call in the book, uh, they might have the skull-crushing pain, suffering, and brain damage that comes along with making a bad hire. And you know, look, uh, I actually think that there is a uh, an epidemic crisis of bad hiring, and and that's what I'm hoping to eliminate. Right, um, all bad hiring is a direct result of bad interviewing. And most people, most leaders, they've never been taught, they've never been classically trained on how to think about recruiting and hiring. And that's what I put into uh, 212 pages of my book. Every book on leadership has at least one chapter on the importance of people and leadership and culture. My book has 12 chapters uh and um you know i talk a lot about uh the importance of knowing how to have the right conversations uh, of uh knowing how to do the right evaluation of core values and culture fit uh, and all of it really starts with personal ownership of that leader in creating a blueprint a one page page 97 of my book um you know that one pager blueprint so that they can think correctly and with a little bit of hard work, they can get it right and save themselves. The skull crushing pain, suffering, and brain damage, but also the real costs that have been estimated at three to five X of a person's salary on what it costs you when you make a bad hire.
2: They also think a lot of people, or what I think a lot of people do wrong too, is they hire like a clone of themselves, right? You know, if you're an introvert, don't hire another introvert. Like I'm, I consider myself an introvert and I'm not very creative. So I do, I do my best to hire creatives and like introverts. What's your opinion on that?
0: Yeah, 100%. Right. Um, look, it is um, so important to create that one page blueprint because, on there, what is most important in building a team, right? I've had these conversations um, with some of the top venture capital investors actually in New York City who, who, um, You know, a lot of times the investors want to send a resume to a to an entrepreneur or to a leader and say, hey, here's a great CFO. And what I've said is, is I said, you know, look, Fred, you're often doing more damage than you are good when you say to an entrepreneur, here's a great CFO. Because that entrepreneur might make the mistake of hiring that person. And the reason they made a mistake is because any two reasonably intelligent people could look at a resume of a CFO and say, wow, this is a great CFO. That's not the task. That's not the challenge at hand. The task at hand is, is this a great CFO for us? Those two little words, for us, change everything because then it's about creating clarity, about defining who are we, what are our core values, our culture, our mission, first and foremost, and looking to hire not someone that can just do the role but that can help us achieve our mission, right? And the best way to achieve our mission is by creating a team that complements each other, that has the complete set of skills and tool set necessary as a team, right? Think about the 18, that that TV show from years ago, right? They all had specialized skills that were different from each other, but together working as a team, they were able to do extraordinary things. And that's how you want to think about it as a leader when you're, you're doing this thing that is so important, is building your culture and building your team. Dave, can
2: you talk some about how the, what the pre- proceeds of your book are going to?
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know, so look, I've got two big passions in life. Uh, one is, um, you know, when I'm not with my family and, and doing Ironmans, um, I, I've developed a unique set of skills, Jason, that happens to be valuable to entrepreneurs that are building important businesses. And I love sharing this wisdom and sharing this knowledge and, and helping them. Uh, and the second thing is, you know, having come from humble beginnings, 100% of the profits from my book are going to Room to Read. In fact, the founder of Room to Read wrote the foreword to my book, John Wood. He's a great guy. Uh, you know, and, um, you know, we're building schools around the world. Uh, there, there are about 7 billion people on the planet. About 750 million people, almost 1% of that, cannot read. Two-thirds are women and girls. 250 million children around the world will never have access to a book or education unless somebody does something about it. Room to Read organization has now impacted the lives of over 16 million children. It's a beautiful organization.
2: Dave, is there anything else you want to say about your company?
0: Uh... You know, look, uh, I would say my motto is this, and I firmly stand behind it, and uh, I think it's a calling card for every entrepreneur out there, any leader that is looking to create significant enterprise value, and that is recruit better, achieve more, make recruiting and culture your strategic competitive advantage, and make leadership your legacy.
2: Dave, can you share your social media for both yourself and your company so people can reach out to you?
0: Yeah, you can find me at Davecarvalhall.com. Again, that's DaveCarvahall.com. Uh, also, my company is DavePartners.com, DavePartners.com. Uh, and of course, you can find me on LinkedIn uh, and, uh, and now on your podcast as well.
2: So Dave, is there a link to, your, to buy your book on your, web, on your website?
0: Yeah, that's right. And you can find it at any major bookstore and of course on Amazon as well.
2: And to our listeners, we have the links to his social media and his website and his book on our show notes. You can find our show notes at wwwcavernanceh and be sure to share this episode. So Dave, welcome to the end of our talk. Can you provide us any last minute wisdom or advice on anything you want to talk about?
0: You know, look, I think we're living through interesting times, right? And it's so uh, easy to get wrapped up in the political theater or, you know, the coronavirus or, you know, things that are going on on the news. And and I would say, look, the greatest value that you're going to create is to stay focused on your mission, on your greater purpose in life. And, you know, the wisdom that I want to share is that, look, all things are possible. Keep the faith, work hard, and you can change the world with what you're doing, right? There's a great quote out there by a woman named Anne Mead. And she said, never underestimate the power of a small group of people. In fact, it's the only thing that has ever changed the world.
2: That's so true. Dave, thank you for your time today. I really appreciate it.
0: Thank you. Thanks for having me. And to our listeners, thank
2: you for your time as well. Remember to be great every day.
1: Thank you for listening to this episode of the Cabinet's
0: HR Podcast. be sure to connect with us on linkedin
1: facebook twitter snapchat instagram twitch youtube and tiktok at cabinets hr also check out our weekly live streams at the cabinets hr facebook twitch youtube and periscope where we focus each week on an hr topic important for small business these are every wednesday at 10 a.m pacific standard time and lasts around three minutes. To join our weekly HR email newsletter list, send us an email to jasonkavness at kavnesshr.com. Thank you, and remember to be great every day.